Welcome to this edition of This Old Commune. Today we are fixing a situation with our window wells. are very deep here because you have to be able to get out of the window in order for it to qualify as a bedroom in Wyoming. And right now we have a plastic covering over them that just kind of keeps heat, but you can't walk on it. And it's a very narrow passageway in there by the, in the solarium where those are. So what we've done today is we've taken a pallet, we've gotten ourselves a two by four and a one by six. And what we're going to do is straightforward. We're going to cut the two by four in half and uh, attach it uh, lengthwise to the uh, pallet so that it uh, goes across all of the beams perpendicularly and on both ends. And that will give us approximately seven inches on either side of the gap of the window well that then we will take the one by six and then we've cut into one foot sections and we will attach those to the side of the house and then we will attach our hinges so that this will be a liftable hinge uh, egress point for emergency. And this is brightly painted like an American flag so nobody can miss this palette. We might repaint it with something that some, some, says something along the line of don't tread on me um, <laughs> just to keep in theme with it or hey, this is a fire exit, don't stand here. Um, kind of thing but uh yeah it'll enable people enable people to transit in the solarium without having to worry about falling down into the plastic so um we'll give you some quick power tool noises just so you feel like you've had the full experience okay <laughs> all right so we have nina here and nina and john are, are here for a visit hope you're having a good time absolutely we are loving our time Wonderful, wonderful. But you've got some things to say. Uh, and I know that you, you study and, and pay really close attention uh, to various media punditry and stuff like that. So what, you know, what is that? What is that like for you? And kind of how do you go? How do you go at it? Um, so I think it really started for me. Um, so I live in Palmdale, California. And last year, there was an event where um, a black man was found hanged. On a, like in a tree in our public square and um, going on with a lot of, you know, socio-political turmoil of just 2020 and the last millennia, um, it struck me how nobody really said much about the situation. Um, whether it had been a suicide or it was racially motivated, ultimately the city never really disclosed, but I noticed that social media was quick to pick up the story um, and then it disappeared, completely disappeared. But the only people who continued to speak about Robert Fuller, um, the black man who was found hanging from the tree, were right wing, um, I suppose, pundits, but more social media like influencers. And mm -hmm. I found it odd how quick they were to weaponize this story. Um, you know, we didn't really know any details. Nothing had really been confirmed, but they were very quick to make assumptions about this case and presumed innocence for the sheriffs of the Antelope Valley, despite all the residents of the Antelope Valley being aware of um, like United States, uh, I guess to say uh, recognized violations of the 14th amendment from our sheriffs, which mm -hmm. I've talked about uh, ad, ad nauseum in the and, Antelope Valley, but nobody really pays attention. And no one really, it, seemed, it must have seemed like nobody really invited those influencers to say anything. So it's, it is the meme, nobody, Right-wing social media influencers, blah, 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 blah. Yes, it was absolutely that. And um, I 
do my best to, you know, be a social media activist, but I found myself just encapsulated with these social media personalities of the alt-right on Twitter who would pick up these, these stories from small towns like my own and who were quick to turn it into a talking point. They were very quick to exploit people's lives to make a small quip at the expense of Black people or women or immigrants, et cetera. Um, and so I found myself um, almost, I would say, obsessively checking their Twitters. Um, I was on Jack Posobiec, Dan Bongino, Mm. Um, Tucker Carlson, mm. the big, the big right wing names. Uh. Um, of course, while Trump was in office, I just had mm-hmm. his his page uh, bookmarked. But I found myself just intrigued by the performativity of what they were saying because I realized with the story of Robert Fuller, they didn't care. They didn't care at all about this black man's life. Uh, they didn't care who he was before, other than he had a criminal record. And they didn't care after other than um, his brother also ended up in a police shootout um, through completely other circumstances. Um, So there was no humanity in the way they were acting. There was, I mean, there wasn't even, I don't know. It doesn't even feel like there's genuine malice in the way these political pundits or social media influencers will act. They will just pick up on a story and like Mm -hmm. vultures exploit it until they toss it away. And, um, I've noticed, at least in my circle, nobody else was talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody else was at least really concerned with the violence of their language, of the rights language, and what that meant on a platform like Twitter, where you can kind of say whatever you want, and some people will take that for truth. What do you feel like happens when that when that violent language becomes normalized and, and oh. becomes promulgated? Um, I mean, unfortunately, violent language is just ingrained into English as a colonial language, but it just, when they normalize this violent language, you see it in everyday actions. I mean, even as something as recent as the Asian American hate crime wave that Mm -hmm. we endured, um, people online are minimizing this issue. They are claiming that, you know, it had nothing to do with referring to COVID as the China virus. Um, It had nothing to do with attacking uh, all sorts of Asian communities around the world. Um, They are truly- I don't get it. I don't get that argument because we spend billions on advertising. Mm -hmm. We clearly do believe that words have meaning and that symbols and pictures and, and, you know, visual and auditory stimuli influence Mm -hmm. people in some way because we spend so much money uh, doing that when it comes to selling products and things like that in capitalism, um, but then suddenly, uh, then it, do- it suddenly doesn't matter when you're talking about something that is much more charged of an issue than which toaster to buy. Absolutely, and um, that's a great point. I'm glad you mentioned that because that reminds me of. Ultimately, I've had to come to a point because there was, oh my gosh, there was a moment where I couldn't put my phone down. I was obsessed with what these people had to say because I was doom scrolling. I needed to know the violence that they were putting out there and I didn't recognize the harm it was causing myself. Um, Oh, I never do that. (laughs) Right. Uh, It took me a while to recognize that these are not political pundits. These are not social media influencers. These are capitalists. They do not stand by what they say at all. Um, and, and exactly that. One day, Jack Posobiec will claim, um, you know, he is not a, an influencer, that he 
doesn't expect his followers to take what he says, you know, verbatim. Yet the next day, he will totally tweet out, um, you know, a promo code for Mike Lindell's My Pillow and expect his followers to pursue it. Mm-hmm. So he presents this duality that's just fake. You know, he's a hypocrite. He can't help himself. Um, and a lot of these other social media stars do the same where they play the fence in a way that doesn't make sense. It's grifting. It's them just collecting whatever money they can and then scramming. But there's a weird inhumanity that comes from that behavior and the way they interact with their followers, where not only is there the performance of caring about social issues or conservative ideology, whatever that may be, um, they're just playing these unfortunate, you know, cogs in the machine, these poor people Um, Just listen to what this man is spouting off and they'll take it as truth. And then, you know, these political pundits aren't held accountable. And something that so the the racism, of course, uh, frightens and enrages me. Uh, Mm -hmm. But one of the other things that that deeply concerns me is the way in which some of these folks will appropriate some left image, uh, left causes, working class causes, Mm-hmm. They will take on, you know, th- I mean, it's, this is something that Steve Bannon did. Uh, this is something that occasionally uh, Tucker Carlson did. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I I have had some run-ins, direct run-ins with Glenn Greenwald on Twitter. Um, and I got into a, a, a kind of a spat with him and Matt Taibbi, mm-hmm. uh, which I had actually met Matt Taibbi, I had shown him where a bathroom was at one time at an event that he that we were both um, working at. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but that was also back when when Taibbi was very different in terms of uh, had a, more of an image of of being a, a kind of crusading journalist who, mm-hmm. who was right. revealing a lot of, of things about the system, not really offering solutions, but doing good investigative reporting at the time. Uh, and so we had a lot of respect a lot more respect for him. And, you know, now he's, he's kind of uh, gone, you know, gone down the tank uh, as well. Greenwald had his moments of standing up for civil liberties and standing up for, for, uh, you know, the rights of of journalists and things like that. Uh, Now the joke is uh, that he, he, there'll be some, you know, there'll be some intern or something uh, that posts a story on Twitter and he'll be like, you're not a real reporter. And, uh, you know, and also doing everything he can to minimize fascism and minimize white supremacy, including, uh, you know, helping signal boost um, uh, Tucker Carlson. Um, And so uh, I get this constant sort of frustration of seeing the way in which they um, elevate those messages and the the influence they have, which mm-hmm. I don't understand uh, really, you know, except for you know maybe making some very cynical conclusions mm-hmm. about where a lot of people are, especially on Twitter. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a heck of a a website, um, and uh, and it can really uh, on the left too, it can be mm-hmm. really bad, you know. So our dog Rosa, we had almost had her trained. Uh, to chase her tail when we mm-hmm. said Rosa do left Twitter, but uh, but she you know she, I think she forgot uh, she forgot about that she's already so got too much to learn, um, but <laughs> but I but I also get the feeling of you know wanting to track that and wanting mm-hmm. to 
to see it so that you can name it. So it sounds like um, that's something that you've spent a lot of time doing. Um, absolutely. And I mean, it's almost inevitable, it feels like. Um, of course, a phone is just required now. If you want to exist within the global community, you need some sort of internet connection. So even if I find myself you know, trying to peruse social media for fun, I can't help but come back to these same names who trend day after day after day. So even if I am not looking for them, they seem to find me. Um, I mean, even today, Ben Shapiro is trending on Twitter because as you mentioned, he tried to appropriate working class culture. There's the great divide between Lowe's and Home Depot because apparently, you know, Home Depot administration, however, you know, supports Trump and the Trump MAGA cause. So um, <laughs> have any of these people been to Menards? A anyway. anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the, what was interesting was Ben Shapiro was trending because he was encouraging other specifically MAGA conservatives to shop only at Home Depot. Um, it's the working class store. Um, you know, he's speaking to all the hardworking blue collar folk who need to spend their money appropriately. Um, he, want, he went to Home Depot and he bought one piece of wood and put it in a shopping bag and walked out. And well, that sort of reminds me of Trump showing up at a, that, uh, Trish reminds me of like Trump showing up at like a homeless shelter or, you know, some sort of thing and like uh, doing one thing and then leaving as quickly as, as possible. Exactly. It reminded me very much so of Trump after uh, Hurricane Maria with the, the uh, paper towel. The paper debacle. towel rule. Yeah, I was exactly. thinking that was appropriate. Yeah, it, there's this weird performance. And as you mentioned, appropriation of them just wearing whatever mask they need to make money. And it just it intrigues me at a certain point. I almost feel like a sociologist just watching, just going, what will they do next? What will what? contradictory choice will they make that their or, fans will just go along with they won't question they'll just listen to these people or a rhetorician um, because as you say there's a performative element to this and I feel like it uh, it takes on it's sort of the, the performativity drives the messaging mm -hmm. in some way but that messaging can also really be uh, very dangerous messaging and, 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 and can normalize yes. acts of violence as we have seen mm -hmm. skyrocketing in the past four years and, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, largely because of the way that those, those messages are boosted and the, the viral nature and the algorithms of Twitter and Facebook um, to say nothing of the micro-targeting of ads, political ads, and different things like that, but even just absent that, the 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 algorithms favor yes. that sort of hate uh, discourse, and so mm -hmm. so you are more likely to have your signal boosted and your followers increase um, if you're if you're speaking in 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 violent terms and in hostile uh, hostile terms. Yeah, it's exactly that. And it's sort of odd watching the fear mongering because of course we don't all live in the same United States of America, unfortunately, you know, each lived experience is gonna be radically different than the other. But um, just some of the things that these political pundits, social media influencers will say is it's almost as if I, I have to ask like, what world are these guys on where 
um, you know, some of these, I've seen Ben Shapiro, Jack Posobiec, especially talk about how there is a war on Christian, on Christian Americans. There is a war on white men right now. Um, and it's almost as if, I understand where that's coming from. They must certainly feel persecuted now that other people have voices in the slightest capacity, but it's the extent, the drama of it, the way, again, they build up that performance of, you know, oh, whites will be completely outnumbered in X amount of years. You know, this is, why, this is panic. Why are you, why are you scared of that? Exactly. Why are you scared of that? Exactly. Are you afraid like that being the minority mm. might put you at a disadvantage in some right. way? Hmm. Right. Yeah. And then of course them having gone viral and having trended, as you mentioned, be, just because they are violent and confrontational and contrarians, they'll just deny anything you try to hold them accountable to. Um, they, I mean, they always have upwards of, you know, a million followers. So anytime somebody does attempt to even engage in a simple dialogue, if not just call this man out, um, the followers will take care of it. There is no direct engagement with these, uh, these pundits who are making these wildly outrageous claims. Um, and so for me, it feels like they're, I don't know how the catch up is going to work, how these people will ever be really held accountable because they are mm -hmm. so slippery. They have so many levels of anonymity, despite proudly showing their faces, they're able to kind of slink back from the front line that they claim to be on and they're willing to sacrifice, you know, their own constituents. I, I find myself sometimes agonizing over the fact that they are not held accountable and, and that you don't see a scenario where they'll be held, held accountable. And I find myself obsessing uh, over, you know, how, how to hold them accountable. I also recognize that some of that might be my own whiteness and my own desire to, to you know, sort of sterilize my, uh, you know, and to detoxify, uh, you know, myself, uh, you know, and to say, well, if these other bad guys are, you know, and so I think part of that, at least for, for uh, you know, pe white people on the left is keeping in mind that we also perpetuate white supremacy in other ways not on Twitter, not rhetorically all the time, but there might be other ways that we do that. And we can't let our very justified anger and activism against these, you know, these real bad uh, players um, take away from our own, the, the necessity of looking at ourselves and the innocuous things that we do uh, to perpetuate that. And so sometimes I'm like, maybe what drives me really, really hating these people is that I want them as far away from me as mm. possible. Uh, and so, you know, I think that's, I still think we should fight that battle, but I also think that we have to, we have to look at ourselves and, and do some self-criticism as well from time to time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I certainly had to refocus my attention at a certain point. Um, not to say that it isn't important work to be done, because clearly, I mean, we just need historians. We need people recording what is happening and who is saying what, because as we know, it's very easy to manipulate uh, history and power. Um, but I have to agree, there is a certain level of prioritization of, like with Jack Posobiec, he is somebody whose name is constantly on my tongue because he has gotten away with so much and it amazes me. He was probably one of the loudest voices of the Pizzagate scandal. Um, he was a direct contributor. He 
encouraged the father who eventually went to go shoot up the like ping pong comet pizzeria in DC. He was encouraging this man. Um, and then of course, everything happened. The man was arrested, et cetera. And Jack Posobiec came out the next day and said, I did it all as a joke. Mm-hmm. And his right, I remember that. Yeah, he went, oh, I was joking. I was a troll and a, completely had no responsibility in that. And so for me, I, I have to reconcile with what actions can I really take that will genuinely affect this man um, or affect his his audience? Because I would spend hours just doom scrolling, just reading the absolutely vicious things this person has to say. Um, and then I don't know, I would get to the end of it and I would go, well, now, now what do I do? And I think that's still the stage I'm in, um, which is what do I do to combat that? Because, you know, being an asshole in his comments and adding him all the time clearly isn't going to work. You no, know, in fact, it, it could be counterproductive. It could actually boost, boost. And because they want you uh, to do that. Um, and that's even more so on Facebook because you've got all these different emo- emoji or reaction right. things. And so, you know, so you're like, oh, well, I won't like it. I'll do the little mad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the little mad guy has the same effect on the algorithm right. as the heart. Uh, and so, you know, so you, I mean, we really do have to be careful um, about the way that we, uh, the, the way that we engage that. I think organizing, just like a lot of the stuff we're doing anyway, right, uh, is important to do. But I do think it's important to do what you do, which is we've, we need to know what they're saying and we need to know what their, what their tricks are. At this point, it's just unfortunate because none of these tricks are new. And if anything, this just speaks to the ridiculous need of this country and the many's around this world of just increasing education. We need people to become aware of the larger machinations around them of how they are just constantly being exploited. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really the, like, the tragedy of all of this is, you know, Jack Posobiec, Dan Bongino, Tucker Carlson, they go home to their money at night and they sleep soundly. They sleep great on their Mike Lindell approved MyPillow uh, set. It's the the frustrated, you know, 21-year-old white male who is working a dead-end job and he feels like immigrants are taking over and he feels like women shouldn't have a place and he's tired of seeing, you know, people of color in his neighborhood. It's all building up in him. He has justified anger that's being misplaced and is being weaponized by these, these people up top who couldn't care less about them. And so right. um, I have to think organizing and expanding education and access might really be the only uh, worthwhile solution because as we know, the system works really well for what it's attempting to do. And these political pundits have found their niche and they choose to stay there. They will mm-hmm. never you know, put their necks on the line. They will never sacrifice their own comfort or well-being. Um, so now I'm moving into a stage of what does outreach look like? What does maybe not re-education, but like, what does expanding education, broadening people's horizons, uh, what, what's that gonna look like in the age of Twitter? And in addition to these creeping uh, Republican platforms like Frank Speech by Mike Lindell and Parler, the disaster that that was, and Gab, which still has Nazi sympathizers on it. So what does this almost 
decentralizing of communication in the world of centralized community. Like there's so many oxymorons happening at the same time. It's like, what do we do in the face of all of this? That is so fascinating because the decentralization and the, and the sort of de-hierarchying, <laughs> if that's a word, of, of these social media outlets provides all kinds of opportunities for good guys you know, for the people that are doing the good things. Um, but it also, you know, but it comes also with uh, that risk of, of, of multiplying and adding to the hate, you know, the hate speech that, as you say, has, has always been there in, in one way or another. That's one of the things, we'll, we'll, we'll have to have you back uh, to um, update us on maybe some of these new modes and and uh, and new conduits uh, of communication and some of the some more good insights that you have um, about that. But um, I appreciate the work and uh, I appreciate your willingness to go where so many of us are loath to go. Um, you obviously have a strong stomach, um, but more important than that, your your uh, your intention uh, is in the right place, um, and your uh, and what we have seen here as fine analytical gifts uh, in terms of picking those things apart. So I would love to hear more about that as we uh, get to as we continue to to get to know each other. Of course. Well, I totally appreciate you even giving me a platform to voice that because certainly it. In the age of so many other things happening and just this world being on fire, um, it's difficult for people to sit down and recognize just the intellectual work that needs to be done, the analyses, the, the dialogues, the conversations, the deconstruction that needs to occur. So thank you for even creating a space where I can discuss this. Absolutely. Well, it is always open for you. Thank you so much, Nina. It's so great to have you here. Well, thank you very much. Okay, so yeah, on the greenhouse temp stabilization, it's going to take two box fans, I believe. I spoke to the uh, gentleman at the uh, Windmill Hill today, the nursery outside of town on my problems, and he, he recommended a cross-flow uh, system with fans like that as best as we could do ourselves. So we can set one up. Um, so that's great. And now that I know we have two box fans on the property, um, we don't have to rush out and buy any more right away. Um, I have a boatload of seeds of all kinds. I found leek seeds at the nursery. I also found fava beans. So we're going to grow some fava beans this year. No word yet on the Chianti or somebody's liver, but um, we will have fava beans. And yeah. Thanks to Sean for setting up those Arduinos in the, uh, in the uh, greenhouse so that we can check whenever we want to. And uh, <clears throat> that's what's led me to this conclusion about the need for the cross-ventilation system. Next on the list, which I assume um, that you put too. on as well, uh, is the plastic drawers and containers. Yeah, I thought I might be able to make use of them, but they have been exposed to UV for too long. And the second you touch them, they're so brittle, they just come apart. So I recommend that we break them up into small pieces, put them in a garbage bag and throw them away. They're not recyclable, which is unfortunate. And you got to do what you got to do. Right on. You know, so. Well, <laughs> perhaps we can fold that into our a general scheduling of cleanup and clearance of the um, of all of the land, which we normally do anyway this time of year, um, mm -hmm. but have um, 
you know, with uh, the imminent arrival of more um, <coughs> residents and potential members, then we uh, have all the more reason to do that. Um, uh, and also as part of our kid proofing effort, which could be an episode in and of itself, I imagine. I put these on and I'll just really briefly mention them because it's not the, of the highest priority. Uh, but um, it seems like I've had, I've, when I've, I've tried this now with a couple of different computers, um, I think that uh, the um, streaming um, sometimes has some problems and we had a we had a continuous sort of lag when we were watching Sorry to Bother You, which we kind of um, pushed through on. But um, it was, uh, I, I, I wonder, I, I've been wondering about whether we should get a viewing computer or a viewing tablet, perhaps. Defragging works on um, not non-solid state drives, um, but... I think if, if it's a network issue, like that's just an internet service provider problem and like whatever computer we have hooked up to it um, doesn't address the ISP bottleneck. Um, but I'm not sure where that issue lay. Like when we were watching Sorry to Bother You, if that was- Right. Like, my sort of intuition is that it's just like um, the ISP, uh, being weird since that tends to happen um, occasionally, but honestly, I have no idea. We just attached our five foot uh, lengths of two by four to the bottom of the pallet so that it go, uh, they go perpendicular to all of the beams across the pallet. Now we're going to take that out to our window well and measure it up and uh, start attaching it to the house. So you can, you can follow us to the house. this content and want us to keep making it available for free, please become a subscriber at patreon.com slash solidarity house. Again, that's patreon.com slash solidarity house. I am an android.